Hi there, ICU Talks podcast listeners. Welcome to ICU Talks podcast here, voices. So glad you're taking time to listen to what we got going on. And as you know, we just had our, our regular event. And so from that, we got to hear Pat Fink, how he came back from the brink of death and just absolute self-destruction and, and, and got to fall in love with God and got to learn who he is. And so you're about to hear his 20-minute talk about life and, and just get to know him a little bit better. And soon you'll get to hear us interview him. But for now, just sit back and enjoy as you hear Pat Fink share his recovery from alcoholism. I was sitting there thinking, I was like, you know, I jumped out of helicopters. I've jumped out of back of Chinook helicopters, off the side of Black Hawk helicopters. I've raced motocross. I rode a bull one time, and I've done nothing as terrifying as coming on the stage tonight. I'll promise you that. <laughs> So bear with me, guys. I'm not a professional speaker, and I think you'll notice that by the time I get to the end. But you know what? When God saved my life, I made a promise that any time that I was asked to do something that I thought may advance the kingdom, that I couldn't say no. You know, who was I to say no after what he's done for me? And uh, so, <laughs> so I'm here. And, uh, and uh, you know, the terror that I'm feeling right now, if one person hears one thing that I have to say tonight that could help change your life, and give you hope that there is a better life, then uh, it's, it's worth my terror. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, was, I, was, I got an email when I first got this. Uh, it, it said, be, you know, be vulnerable, be honest, and have a love for Jesus. And I, I don't know how to not be honest anymore. I absolutely love Jesus. And I'm showing my vulnerability right now by exposing myself and, and my past to you guys. And as she says, I, I struggle with hurt and, and things like that. But most of all that was due to the alcohol and the drugs that, um, that, I, was, that I was doing. Um, like she said, I was born and raised here in Charlotte. Uh, my parents split up when I was in the ninth grade. I moved to Huntersville. Um, we moved from Dorada, which is here, two miles up the street to Huntersville. So... But um, anyway, I started drinking at a really young age. I had a brother that was a couple years older than me. So, I, you know, I was with him and all his friends doing everything that they did. And, uh, you know, when we were young, you know, alcohol age was 18. You could buy alcohol at 18. So, you know, we were obviously getting it when we were 15. And that means I was about 13, you know. <laughs> so I started at a young age. And, I, you know, first time I drank alcohol, I knew I loved it. And uh, it didn't take me very long to know that I had a problem with it. And um, so by the time I was in school, my mama kept us in sports. You know, I, I played baseball, football, and basketball until I got to Ranson, and then I knew I couldn't play basketball anymore, so I started wrestling. <laughs> you guys know, but uh, anyway, uh, I started wrestling in high school, and, and alcohol took all that from me by the time I was in the 12th grade. The only thing I ended up doing my 12th grade year was playing football. My 11th grade year, I was Sundrop Player of the Week. Uh, I was in the Charlotte Observer a couple of times. Uh, I had a bright future, man. I had a future that was probably going to pay for me a scholarship to go play football and get a you know, college degree. And, man, I was drinking alcoholically by the 12th grade almost on a daily basis. Um, didn't drink that much during the week during football, but Friday night, man, it was on, you know. And, and uh, so I lived that way, you know, through high school and, I got out of high school, took my first job as a delivery driver, and being an alcoholic, that wasn't a smart thing to do. I was, 
driving around drinking a whole lot, you know, even, even at that age, you know, being 17 years old, um, driving around drinking liquor, you know, at 17 delivering, didn't work out too good. So I, uh, one night I had a couple wrecks in my car and, um, I had gotten pulled over by the cops, and how I didn't go to jail that night, I don't know. But I woke up the next morning, and I said, you know, i got to do something. I can't continue to do this. I've got to do something. I said, I'll join the military. You know, I had a recruiter tell me that he'd have me jumping out of planes in Europe, and I could play for the European Football League. And, and the only thing that was true about that is I did go to Europe, and I did jump out of planes. But there was no playing football for Airborne. We trained and, and drank. So I get over, I get, you know, I'm thinking I'd be Fort Bragg, close to home. I could come home, see my family and stuff like that. And I got my walking papers. And I was in Vicenza, Italy. I said, well, ain't no walking, driving home from there. But <laughs> you get over there and the drinking age is seven, you know, there's, well, actually, there's no drinking age. If you're old enough to get up to the bar and order it, you're old enough to drink it. So when we weren't training, we were drinking heavily. So uh, unfortunately, that didn't work out too good for me either. Uh, a couple years, um, I stayed in trouble and... You know, I, I didn't get in trouble every time I drank, but every time I, every time I got in trouble, it was because of the alcohol. Um, I came home from the military. I, um, I started, you know, doing other drugs, hard drugs. You know, I found out that if I did cocaine, I could drink more, you know, and drink later and longer. And so we started doing quite a bit of coke. And, you know, that was the, that was the early 90s, and it was just everywhere at that time. And people that I looked up to and idolized were all doing it. And uh, so, you know, it kind of progressed from there. I went through, you know, another 20-odd years of, of drinking and trying to stop drinking and, 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 you know, trying to stop and then drinking and failing. You know, I, I, I must have been through, I don't know, you know, 20 rehabs over 20 years. Uh, I had enough white chips from AA for us all to play a game of poker. I mean, I, I ain't kidding, man. The only thing I did right is I didn't quit. I kept going back, and I didn't quit trying. So I finally got up to Hebron Ministry. Um, well, in hindsight, let me tell you about the story when I first met Jesus. I was in the military, and we had a call out one night. And they told us, it was during the Iraqi war. I was in during Panama invasion, Iraqi war. So, uh, yeah, I'm 48. But, uh, <laughs> so uh, we got, they called us out, and they told us that you know, we were going to go fight and you know, possibly die for our country. And that you know, a lot of us weren't going to make it back, so... You might want to go call your parents and tell them you love them and, and call, you know, any of your relatives and just tell them you love them, man, because you're probably not coming home. You know, this is a war. They got chemical warfare. You're probably going to go die. So I went and called, you know, I called my mom and dad and my brother and told them I loved them and that, you know, I was pretty, pretty scared about this. And I went back to my barracks that night and I remember getting on my knees and I always had a Bible. I carried one of the small little military Bibles in my pocket everywhere and a metal cross. I kept it in my pocket all the time because I always really knew, you know, I knew there was something more, you know, but I just didn't know how to live for him yet. So um, I remember going back in my room and somebody had given me a Bible before I left and I said, God, I'm, I'm just begging you right now, if I'm going to go die for my country at 17 years old, I just need to know that you're real. You know, I need to know. So I opened up my Bible and the first thing I start reading, it talks about two countries going to war over the Euphrates River. The, Rafe, the Euphrates River runs right through Iran and Iraq where we were going. So at that time, I knew, you know, I, I truly knew at that time, but still didn't know how to live for him. So anyway, that was the first introduction I had really to, to God. But, you know, the progression, once I got out of the military, the progression kept on and on. I, you know, I got arrested several times. I, um, 
And the same thing with being arrested. You know, every time I drank, I didn't get arrested. But every time I was arrested, I was drunk. It was because of the alcohol. Um, you know, multiple DUIs, multiple uh, car crashes that I should have never walked away from. You know, I, I know now why I walked away. Um, so the military, after, you know, after just drinking for 20 plus years, I found out that if I went and whined hard enough to the military, they'd give me pain pills. So I was getting 180 pain pills delivered to my mailbox every month. I was drinking a fifth of liquor with those pills every night. I was smoking cigarettes. I gained up to almost 300 pounds. And I had been asking God. Now, when I first started drinking, I loved it. I loved drinking when I first started. You know, even through my 20s, I I was loving it. I had fun. When I got into my 30s and 40s, man, it didn't, it wasn't fun for me anymore. It was, it felt like more of a necessity. And I hated the fact that I felt like I had to drink every day. I hated it. So I would pray. I was like, God, if you're there and you're real, man, make me sick. Every time I take a sip of alcohol, I want to be sick. I want you to make me sick so I'll hate it. And I would never want to do it again. Well, that, <laughs> that prayer was answered. And it was answered in a big way. My, my last year of drinking, I was in the hospital twice for acute pancreatitis attacks. I, um, I, I mean, and I know that it was a lot to do with the pills and the alcohol together. Um, but the last time that I remember, uh, the last time I drank, I was sick for five days. I was in my bed, physically sick. I could not get out of my bed. I couldn't, I couldn't even unlock my phone. I, did, I couldn't even remember the, the code to unlock my phone because everything was shutting down in my body. I was so dehydrated from being sick and throwing up for five days, and I knew I needed to get to a hospital, and I didn't know how. I didn't know how to call because I couldn't get out of my phone. My brain was not working. And about that time, I had someone show up at my house and uh, take me to the hospital. Well, he didn't take me to the hospital. He called the ambulance, and the, the, the EMTs came and pulled me out of my bed and was taking me. And the guy asked me on the way there, he goes, do you know what day it is? And I said, no, man. He said, do you know what month it is? I said, it's October. He said, try June. I didn't even know what month it was. I mean, I felt everything in my body shut down, and I knew. I knew that I was getting ready to die. I, I knew it. I could feel it. I could tell, and I was, I was terrified because I was going out like this, man. And I knew that I knew the answer, but I didn't know how to get to the answer. And I knew I was going out. I'm going to show you the last time I drank in the hospital. Here's me laying in the hospital bed five years ago. I don't know how that picture got in my phone. I don't know who took the picture. I don't know where the picture came from, but I stumbled across it a couple years later after I got sober. And man, it's a God thing. It has to be, you know. But I was almost 300 pounds in that picture. So I made a commitment that night. You know, I told God, I said, look, man, Lord, I hope you're real because you're all I got left. I'm putting all my eggs in that basket and I'm giving you everything. I surrender. I give up. You have to take my life and you have to make something out of it because I'm making a mess out of it. Everything that I've chose to do for myself has been wrong and I don't know how to get out. So you got to get me out of this. I left the hospital that day. I quit drinking, obviously. I quit drinking then. I quit taking the pain pills. I quit smoking cigarettes six months later. And after the first year, I had lost 91 pounds. So when God took over in my life, he took over in a huge way. And everything I had been praying for all along was finally coming true. It took time because some of us, you know, and I've came to, I came to realize this, some of us are 
more hard-headed than others. You know, I went to the military, and they beat it into you not to ever give up, never surrender, never give up, never surrender. You're weak if you surrender. When I surrendered, it saved my life. It was the only thing that did save my life is when I finally gave up, and I surrendered it over. And I tell you, that first year that I got sober, the reason why I lost the 91 pounds is because I walked every day, and I walked so I could spend time with God. I got out of my house every day, and I walked. We fought. We cried. I mean, I fussed at him. I, I, I remember saying a million times, God, I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand. You know, give me, give me knowledge. Give me, give me understanding on what, what and how, you know, to do this. Because I never had to deal with anything, any emotion that I I didn't ever have to deal with it. I didn't deal with hurt or love or, I, I, honestly, God, I don't think that I really loved anything but my kids and my mother. I, I, I never loved any of the women that I was with, not truly. I didn't know how. I was, I was drunk every day. But I never had to, you know, I never had to deal with that stuff. So, man, that first year when I had to deal with all that, sober, it was rough. But, man, I got out there every day, and I walked, and I handed it over to God. I said, God, you know what's going on. Here it is. You got to take it. And I just handed it over, and then it came to me one day. I was walking. I said, you know what? It's awful freeing if we can just realize that all we have to do is hand it over. We don't have to worry about it anymore. It's off of us now. It's on him. He wants to take it from us. We just got to give it over to him. That was the hardest thing for me to do, though, because my pride and my ego wanted to keep it. I didn't want to hand anything over. I wanted to keep it. And I think sometimes we get... We get caught up in the feeling like that and it becomes something normal to us and that when we you know I almost felt guilty for not having that pain anymore you know that when I started feeling good about my life and feeling good about things I felt guilty I'm like wait a minute something ain't right man because you're not supposed to feel like this you know that take me a while to get used to that but you know it, it talks about in, in Corinthians 2 Corinthians 5 17 it says it says therefore if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, all have become new. And that was me, man. I was a new creature. I was different. I knew I was a new creature when I got off the... I went on a cruise last week that I had won. And the whole time I was on that cruise ship, I walked around and felt sorry and prayed for everybody on that cruise ship because it's just... It, it, just looking at all the gluttony, you know, the, the alcoholism, the food, and the gambling. And, I mean, you know, I was like, you know, sin sells. And that wasn't me anymore. My spirit was in the uproar the whole time I was on that ship. And I knew right then, I was like, you know what, I really am changed. I really am a different person. Because I didn't want to be with them doing that. I wanted to pray for them to hope, you know, to help them see. But, uh. I still deal with a little bit of depression. Like, depression was my big thing. When I, when, I was, when I was doing the pills and drinking, I remember just walking around, you know, with my finger in my hand. I felt like sometimes if I had a gun, I would have I pulled the trigger, man. I, I, was, I, was in a bad, I was in a bad way for a long time, you know. Um, I remember riding on a motorcycle just thinking, you know, what if I just let go doing 100 miles an hour? What if I just let go? Just be done with it. It'd be over that quick, you know? I, I remember those things. And that was the insanity, you know, of the, of, of the drugs and the alcohol. You know, it was the devil trying to kill me. He wanted me dead because he knew when I got sober, I was going to put a hurting on him, on his, you know, because I'm telling you, I'm a little bit on fire now. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, it's hard for me to get up here and get started, but once I get started, I can go pretty good, so... <laughs> so, 
But uh, I'm glad I'm making you guys laugh a little bit, man. That's one thing I said. God, let me be a little bit funny. I don't want to make everybody cry, you know. Help me out here. But uh, anyway, I, uh, I just want to, you know, there's one thing that I, I do want to tell people that, you know, anything bad you're going through right now, I promise you that God is going to turn it into something very good. You know, I can stand here right now and say, man, I'm grateful that I'm an alcoholic. I'm grateful that I was a drug addict. Thank you, Lord. Because if I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have the relationship with the person or with Jesus right now that I have. You know, I wouldn't have the relationship that's going to get me to where I'm going. I wouldn't have that relationship. So God's used that in my life to get me to where I am today. So I have no regrets. You know, I don't want to, you know, I keep thinking about, I want to go where I'm looking. I want to go forward. But I want to look back every now and then just to remind myself of what I went through, you know, to help me keep going forward. But um, I was told 20 minutes, now it's 15. But look, I'm going to close right now anyway because <laughs> I'm kind of running out of things to say. But look, in closing, I, there's some things that, I, that I've heard and that I, I just really want to let you guys know. Number one, you know, <laughs> I'm going to keep going until I'm done with the page. <laughs> I got about that much left. But now, in closing, I want to let you guys know that. But seriously, I, you know, I, I know that everybody goes through stuff, and you're going through some stuff right now. But I promise you, if you just hand it over and let, let God take care of it, man, he will. I promise you that. That's the one thing I know, and that's the one hope that I want to give you. You don't have to live in that misery anymore. You don't have to live like that. You don't. So focus on where you're going. You know, I, um, it's not about how you start. It's about how you finish. It's not about getting knocked down. It's about getting back up. You know, when a fighter gets knocked down in a fight, he doesn't lose the fight when he's laying on the canvas. He loses the fight when he don't get back up. So you're not a loser until you don't get back up. That's the one thing that I did do. I kept getting back up. I had a pastor in Hebron Colony. He looked at me when I got there, you know, and I know I'm kind of getting off track, but I really want to say this. I, I walked up to this pastor. I love him to death. He looks at me. He goes, he goes, ma'am, he said, I'm glad you're here. He said, I can't get you sober, and I can't keep you sober. He said, but I'm going to introduce you to a person who can. His name is Jesus Christ. And uh, I used to tell him all the time, Danny, you're a good man. I love you. He said, well, the good you see in me is the Lord. The bad, that's just me, man. And I'm telling you, that's me every day. Because, you know, I'm not perfect, and life is not perfect for me. But, man, I can handle what comes my way. I lost my mom a year and a half ago, and I didn't drink. That is amazing. I'm a mama's boy. I call my mom every day. She got to see me for four years sober. She told me before she died that she could die in peace now because she doesn't have to worry about me anymore. And, man, you talking about feeling good about that? Man, that was one thing that I was at peace with when she died because I know she got to see the real me. And, um, and I, I thank God every day for that. I'm like, God, thank you. It was perfect time. It's perfect timing, you know. But, uh, you know, my setback was a setup for my comeback. And I'm back. Thanks to Jesus.